Hello, and welcome to Car Rider Line, a Clear Creek ISD podcast designed to engage our parents and community on important topics related to education. In the following episode, you will hear a live recording of a panel session on school safety that we streamed during our Team CCISD virtual parent conference. It gives insight into the district's standard response protocols and communication procedures in place during an emergency situation. A link to the full video of the conference will be included in the show notes of this episode. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Uh, my name is Brian Palazzi. I'm the Director of Safe and Secure Schools for the Clear Creek Independent School District. I'm Josette Rivas, the Captain of the School Liaison Division. In this session, we're going to talk to you a little bit about just some of our safety protocols to uh, help ensure the well-being of all the staff and students as we start the school year. Um, a lot of this is uh, some trainings, um, resources that we use, uh, standard response protocol, which is up on the screen. And it was brought and designed by a, a group called I Love You Guys. And it was originally designed with a mother and a father whose daughter um, had some issues and was in an incident in school, regarding school safety. So they spent the rest of their lives um, developing this. And at CCISD, we adopted it. And it's a phenomenal resource. It's a phenomenal tool. And it basically unifies common terminology at every school very ease of transitions, very ease of protocols. So we wanted to kind of share that with you so you know what all the staff and the students will be trained in through the, through the upcoming year. The first situation that could arise is a lockout. And if a lockout were to happen over the intercom speaker, uh, they would say lockout, get inside, lockout, get inside. And a lockout is used when there's a threat outside of the building. For instance, it could be uh, some civil, uh, civil disputes. It could be dangerous animals in the playground. Uh, it could be a robbery at a bank. But it's, we use the school as the safety net. So we want to get everyone inside. And that's called usually by the principal or assistant principal. And it's really, really a, a good tool because the, our structure is our safety net on that one. Some examples I just wanted to show you would be, for instance, if there was a crime at a nearby bank, we would call a lockout. We would get everyone inside. Could be civil unrest. We would want to keep people outside. We want to get them inside. Dangerous animals on the playground. And what students would do, students would get in the building. And they're trained to do this. And we drill this. The outside doors will be locked. Because the doors are locked in the school as it is. Uh, but they'll be made sure that they're closed. No one can gain access to the building. And very simply what happens is no one is in or out of the building. And that stays in place until the lockout is lifted. So teachers are going to take attendance. Business as usual. We're safe in our building. The doors are locked. We're going to ask them to be, have an increased situational awareness, but they're still going to have classes. You know, we're still going to go to art class. You know, our kiddos are still going to go to PE. You know, we're still going to have our algebra classes. And we're just, our awareness is going to be heightened a little bit. And that's a lockout. A lockdown is something very different. A lockdown is when there's a threat inside the building. Uh, and that could be for very many, various reasons. But there's a threat inside the building that we want to keep everyone safe. The, and a lockdown can be called by a principal, an SLO officer, an assistant principal, teacher, staff. Anybody can call a lockdown. Why would we do a lockdown? There's something dangerous inside the building. And again, I just want to reiterate, all these drills are done per semester. They're done before the school year with teachers and staff. They're done before the school year 
discussed with students. So this is not something that jumps up on somebody. And all of our drills are announced. So this is not something that surprises the students or the staff. This is not something we just go into without keeping people aware. In a situation of a lockdown, the teachers are gonna lock and close the doors. We wanna create time barriers. A door is a time barrier. It's gonna give us time for police or whoever needs, or EMS to come to the school. They're gonna turn out the lights and they're gonna place students out of sight of the hallway door. In a corner of a room, behind um, furniture in the room, we're gonna use the physical space of our classroom with a locked door as our safety net. And then they're gonna take attendance. We're gonna count for every student. Students, they're out of sight of the window. They're gonna be silent. There could be some other options. For instance, if the door was closed, or if a student was in transit, sometimes self-evacuation is the best option. You know, if, if they happen to be locked out of a classroom and the evacuation is the quickest and safest option, that can occur. And we tell the students that, and we, and we preach to them um, using their judgment, but we also want to tell them that, it, don't be surprised if it's an intense situation. So this is something that is discussed in the classrooms, by the teachers, with the students, so, and we drill this so the students are aware and comfortable with the situation arises in case of an emergency. Evacuate is probably the most common one. This is a, we don't just evacuate for fire drills. There's, there could be various reasons. An evacuation, we just really have to move our students and staff from one location to the next. Students are gonna leave their stuff behind, they're gonna bring their cell phones, and they're gonna listen for directions. Our teachers are gonna lead our students to evacuation areas. They're also gonna take the students at the evacuation area, and they're gonna take attendance. We wanna make sure everyone is accounted for. And we have on-campus evacuation sites and off-campus evacuation sites, should the need arise. For instance, if there was a fire drill, and it turned into a real fire, we would evacuate outside the building and then, then we would transition to an off-campus evacuation site, which all of our staff members and administration know and they communicate that to the students as well. Obviously, we're gonna report any injuries if we need to and we have uh, systems in place to do that to let the administration and the nurses know. And we also want the teachers to bring their phones so we can have constant communication with them. We could also call a shelter. A shelter in place is when there's a threat of a severe weather, for instance. It could be a hazmat spill, like in Deer Park the other year. It could be um, a tornado. And we, again, we use the safety of our building as our protection. Not that teachers are necessarily trained in this, but I wanted you to understand what we have in place. If there was a hazmat spill or something that could affect the environment, our staff on our campus, our maintenance people, they're going to assist with sealing vents, sealing doors, sealing windows, turning off the HVAC unit. I just wanted you to know that we have systems in place to deal with that. Our teachers understand this. Our teachers are not gonna be responsible for sealing all that stuff up, but we do have people in place on the campuses too, if that were to occur. You know, if a tornado were to happen, we have staff trained and they have buddy classrooms and they have uh, buddy teachers that they work with. They're going to be called. The announcement will be, there's a tornado. Please get to the interior hall away from windows and cover. We drill this. This is something that, you know, sh hopefully we never have to use, but we want to drill it to make sure that everyone is comfortable with this uh, procedure. Teachers, you're going to be, their main concern is the safety of our children. 
but we also want them to take attendance so we make sure we have everyone accounted for. And if you notice, taking attendance every time with this, the teachers know their students and they can communicate that immediately with the administration, with the police, with any EMS, so we, have, we can account for every student. Hold is probably the most common drill and not, not drill that, that we do. This happens a lot at campuses. The main purpose of a hold is we wanna keep students in the classroom because we need to keep the hallways clear for some reason. For instance, if we had an EMS situation where we needed to get EMS in to help a student in need, we would want the hallways clear to assist in that. So we would call a hold, teachers, please hold in your classroom. And all bells and all other um, announcements would be disregarded until the hold was lifted. Um, if, if there was a, for instance, if, if there an animal got in the building, we would be in a hold. We would keep everyone in their classrooms so we could account for this. And class, and it's classes begin, they go on, we disregard bells, there's no changing of classes until the hold is lifted. The halls need to be clear. Teachers close and lock the doors which the doors are set to lock to begin with. And students and teachers, they remain in the classroom, like I said, until all's clear. And it's business as usual. We are, we're taking, the administration and everyone in the, in the building is taking care of the situation while school continues to go on for various reasons. I just wanted to, to, to provide this um, graphic for you. This is posted in every classroom. This is also put in every substitute teacher's folder. This is, for lack of a better term, a cheat sheet for the teachers to remind them what happens in each one of these drills and each one of these real situations. The key points are on there. This is also on our websites, on our Safe and Secure website. So you always have access to this. And please feel free, if you ever want to discuss this with your children, they're going to be aware of this. These drills are going to occur. But we always want to be prepared, and we always want to make sure our children are safe and have, are informed. I also wanted to, to show one other thing. These are our classroom phones. We have a 40911 button. The button is right there. All teachers and substitutes know this is an immediate, immediate notification to our office, the Office of Safe and Secure Schools, along with Captain Revis. We're notified immediately if this button is pushed. We immediately call back, and we also immediately dispatch a police officer to that room. This was recommended by our safety committee, and the teachers feel unbelievable comfort with this. This is an immediate contact to emergency personnel, and the cavalry's coming. Rather than having to dial 0911, wait till to go to a, a 911 dispatcher, this has immediate, uh, immediate notification so we can get people there as quickly as possible. And every classroom phone in, in, in our school district has that immediate safety panic button that we, and teachers use it. I wanted to touch on, and I wasn't sure if anyone had mentioned this, Dr. Smith had a very uh, um, insightful thought when he wanted to create the safety network. And this is, rather than a decision being made in a vacuum, or Captain Revis being completely in charge of safety, myself being completely in charge of safety, and the student's well-being, this is like a three-pronged uh, fork, I would say. So myself, Captain Revis's department, and our guidance counseling department are working together to ensure the overall safety of the entire child and staff. Because it is not just a law enforcement issue. It's not just a safe and secure issue. It's not just a mental health issue. We wanna make sure that everyone is safe and taken care of in our school district. And it's a really uh, you know, forward thinking idea that Dr. Smith had. And I wanted to include that number on there for you. That's the number to the, State, the Department of Safe and Secure Schools. That's also a link 
to the Department of Safe and Secure Schools. But you can read about the safety network in, in greater detail, but it truly is it truly is a group effort to take care of everyone in our school district. And there's a lot of great ideas that are shared between the captain's department, my department, and our counseling department. Captain? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good afternoon. Again, I'm Josette Rivas, the captain of the school liaison division. Prior to this appointment, I was also assigned to a campus for 12 years, so I'm familiar with the ins and outs of the responsibilities and duties of a campus deputy. Before last year, CCIC contracted with Galveston County Sheriff's Office. We had 25 SLOs assigned to the district. We started out with two at the high school campus. We had one at Clearview, Clearpath, and one at each intermediate. The intermediate officer was responsible to respond to the elementary campuses. And in that response, they would only go when they were called. And if for some reason someone called in from the high school campus, that intermediate officer had to fill in at the high school campus. So there were times when we did not have officers at the um, intermediate and elementary unless it was an emergency. Fast forward, last year, uh, CCIC added 15 additional SLOs to the contract, so we now have a total of 40. We have three on the high school campus, one at Clearview, one at Clearpath, two on the intermediate campus. So the two on the intermediate campus, one is to remain on campus at all times, and the second intermediate officer, they're considered a rover for the elementary, the feeder elementary campuses. And what the expectation is for them is to rotate their campuses for arrival, lunch duty, and dismissal. So there's a greater presence on the elementary campuses. We have built a better relationship with the staff, the students, and the parents. So they don't just see us now when there's an issue. So we're pretty much all the time on the elementary campuses, unless the intermediate officer they call in. So we will always have an officer on the intermediate campus. We also rotate to cover the WAVE and the uh, magnet program arrival. Um, so we have a little rotation so that there's an officer there for arrival. For dismissal, you already have a campus uh, deputy there that is in building relationships, we also have a great relationship with the local police jurisdictions. Uh, we collaborate with each other. We communicate when there's an incident that occur on the campus that could spill into the community. They're informed. We keep them updated and vice versa. They do the same thing with us. So those relationships are very healthy and great to have because we all have the same agenda and we all work together. At the start of school and at the end of school, we have extra officer presence, and that's just to help because everything is chaotic. A lot of times at the elementaries with traffic, parents come in and want to walk the kids to school. So we try to have additional officers at the beginning and at the end of the school year just to help out and again for extra presence. In regards to the wellness of the students and staff, um, the, the law enforcement part of the mental health concerns. We have, as officers, we have certain trainings that we have to take through TCO for our license. We have some officers that certified as mental health deputies. We have to take crisis intervention courses. We now have a new one because of the Sandra Bland Act. It's the de-escalation techniques that we have to attend. And so that's just extra tools to help us because 
in today's society, we do, as uh, Mr. Palazzi said, we have to deal with all parts, not just law enforcement. We have to understand the mental um, issues that's going on in the crisis also. Um, for the school side, they have also implemented some courses that they requested that the law enforcement take, and we've got all of that um, knocked out this summer, but it's like the youth mental health training, the psychological first aid, um, so we are well-versed to be able to help and respond with admin in case they have an issue. You know, not just law enforcement, you know, we may see something that they don't see and vice versa, so we work together as a team um, when we're trying to make decisions on what we need to do regarding this incident. There's other courses that we take as a law enforcement and school-based law enforcement. We took, uh, we, of course, we have active shooter. We have um, school-based law enforcement, active shooting classes, stop the bleed. So it's just a lot of opportunity and extra tools that we take to help us in this position. You know, being a school law enforcement officer, a lot of officers can't do it. Um, they say they can't do it, but it's really a rewarding job, and um, we enjoy what we do, and we enjoy being out here. But at the end of the day, our main responsibility is the safety, security, and the wellness, the well-being of the students and staff um, within the district and the community. Thank you. Thanks, Captain. <clears throat> Before we moved on, I just wanted to kind of bring some attention to everybody watching. You know, last year when uh, CCISD created uh, asked for assistance in the safety committee. And we had over 900 people asked to be part of that. I want you all to know that how ahead of the curve Clear Creek Independent School District is. Through those yearly meetings and the recommendations the school committee, uh, the safety committee made, uh, the state of Texas um, has basically adopted what, what y'all have come up with and are requiring, it's in state, in Senate Bill 11, and they're requiring the rest of the state to t follow our lead. So it's unbelievably rewarding to know that the hard work that our community puts in and the hard work our district does is being noticed and we're doing the thing, we're doing right by the students. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that, which is, that's something to be very proud of, that, you know, our, we always talk about, you know, our, our rating, and our, our grade from TEA, but ultimately our number one responsibility is the safety of our students and know that the rest of the state is looking at Clear Creek Independent School District as a leader in that. Um, just a couple of updates for, uh, for the end. Um, every year or every three years, we need to make sure we're doing safety audits of the physical um, campuses and facilities as well. A lot of other aspects that's required by the state. So we're in the process of doing that before the school year. Um, you know, from, from safety gates to access to doors to uh, secure entrances. So all that goes on over the summer. Um, that's our department does that in conjunction with, with uh, Captain Revis. And we make sure um, we try to be as proactive as possible rather than be reactionary. Uh, we really want to look at our campuses, our facilities, to make sure that we're, we're addressing every need. And I'll, additionally, it goes throughout the year, the administrators will contact us seeking assistance, uh, helping in training, and, and making sure everything is addressed on the campus building. One thing I wanted to close with was I've asked all of our administrators through our trainings this summer, I've asked all of them to ask all of the teachers to download our, our CCISD alert app. This is an app that's just invaluable for communication if, if emergencies do happen. Um, also on there is all the information about our standard response protocols, the See Something, Say Something app that was mentioned earlier for tips to help us. Um, 
we have a great community here. We're a large school district, but it really feels like a smaller community. And I would strongly recommend y'all go on here and you can just do in your, um, I'm not very, very savvy with the phone, but on your iPhone, you do your application search and you just type in CCISD alerts and it comes up and you can download it instantly. Um, you'll be notified of all communications coming from an emergency situation. Um, so it's, it's a really, really great tool. Our Office of Communication has done a great job establishing this technology. And I know I was doing some substitute training on the sedan response protocol and the substitutes were asking, are we gonna get that, the, the alerts again? And I just I reminded them to please sign up, get those alerts and it's as simple as downloading the app. And it's an unbelievable tool. So you guys are just informed as everyone else as soon as situations happen from our Office of Communications. I know that was a lot in a, in a short amount of time, but I wanted to give you guys an update and with Captain Revis just about our concerns and where our, where our hearts are and what our true, true goal is and to keep everybody safe. Because I know a lot of times we get lost, um, you know, looking at all the test scores and everything, but understand Clear Creek Independent School District's number one goal is to keep everybody safe. And we wanted to convey that to you. So we... Um, that's it, and I, I don't know if you have any questions, Ms. Polson. We do. We have some questions. Um, Captain Revis, and maybe, well, I'm not, you both can answer this question. Okay. Um, Clear Creek covers 13 cities and two counties, and so the question is, how do we coordinate with Harris County, since, you, since we have the contract with Galveston County Sheriff's Department? Um, with that, we have an MOU in place, um, so we work together, we, if there's any arrests, any citations, affidavits, we're able to file charges in Harris County, but because of the MOU, we're able to work both um, counties with no issues. And just an MOU is agreement, an agreement we have between, we have agreements with a lot of different entities that we always, um, we re-up them every year, we communicate asking if we can still have this relationship. And that is from everything from, from the law enforcement side to the emergency management to getting weather updates. So we have all of that. Um, and that's a great question because I know you're just like, how does this happen? So, I mean, just for instance, this week, we were getting updates from the National Weather Service in Galveston County on the on the heat advisory. And we, we, we pushed that out to the campuses and to all the directors so everyone knows with the bands out there practicing now and, and, and the football team. So we have agreements, those MOUs that you might hear again with a lot of different entities so we are always in close communication with them and just for the public to know too that at any time we go into a standard response protocol parents will be notified um, of what's happening at the school and that's why it's so important for them to know that 99.9 percent .9 of the time there's no action needed on their part if we're in a hold or we're in a lockout, the kids are safe, and but we'll keep them informed. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much for bringing that. Any time on those drills, the drills you won't be notified. If we do a lockdown drill, you will be notified. But all the other drills we will just do, they'll notify the students and teachers before it happens. But if it was a real situation on that CCISD alert, you will be notified of everything that's happening um, from our Office of Communications. You will know that the school's in a lockdown. You will know the school's in a lockout. Um, Last year, there was there was a situation in, in Clear Lake where the school went into a lockout, um, and and the parents were notified and notified when it was lifted and what what the reason was. So we very much want to have that transparency, so you all know, and that's why downloading that app is is an unbelievably useful tool. And to can I add to add to that for law enforcement purposes, um, if it is a true incident, when the um, different jurisdictions start responding and we're all on location. Our dispatch center 
be it Galveston County, Harris County, they're able to tack us all in together so that we're on the same channel, so that we are communicating and everyone is on the same page. And that's where the MOU comes in also. I think we have answered everyone's question. Actually, I have one for one point of clarification. Yes. For the SLO presence at Magnet programs, do we have an officer at Seabrook Intermediate and Brookside Intermediate for their arrival? You had mentioned Wave, and just for clarification, we it is Wave and Magnet. and Magnet. Yes, ma'am. Seabrook and Brookside. Yes, and they're not there every day because they have to rotate, and um, but they should be there several times throughout the week. Okay. Yes, ma'am. And just one final thought, as I, I put on there on the website, our safe and secure website and the phone number, Captain and I are in the same office together. Our, our, our department's unique where we have a lot of interaction with community. We have a lot of interaction with other law enforcement agencies. We have a lot of interaction with emergency management. Please feel free to go on there and email us or call us if you have any concerns or something you may notice. We always ask the students to see something, say something. A lot of times though, you're a great resource and you can see something and say something as well. We actually have um, one more question, and I think I can answer because it's over communication. It's about the app. So yes. the app, the mobile app, the CCISD Alerts app, is a supplement to our existing communication system. So if there's an emergency at your child's campus, you would be notified via a call out, an email, and a text message. Yes. The mobile app is really just an added tool. And so it's great for if you're a local business um, or someone in the area that wants to be informed of what's happening around the school. And so we, that's in addition to, and so if we had to go into a student reunification where students had to be escorted off the campus for whatever reason it, it, it would be, parents would also be notified of where to come and get their student. And we would go through a parent reunification process. And on that app, it will walk you through what your role is um, in the event of a reunification. And the school district has agreements with um, two large churches in our area that in the event that we had to do a mass student reunification, that we would have those resources available to us because our schools would be in session. So there's not really a way you can move 2,500 students from Correct. one high school and move them into another high school that is populated. Correct. And we just finalized those agreements this past week. Okay. Well, I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I think we've answered everybody's questions. And anything else you would like to add? Captain? No, I'm good. I, I would just encourage you all, everyone kept saying, talk to your children uh, you know, for the pre preparation of school. Talk to your students about the drills that they do. They know what they're doing. They, they are prepared. Um, the teachers very much explain it to them, but feel free to talk to them. Ask them, do you know what to do in this situation? And if, and if there's confusion, let, let me know too so I can reach out and help those administrators to say there is some confusion. So it, the open lines of communication would be great between us and between you and your ch child. Thank we, you. We have actually, I have one more thing to Yes, ma'am. Threats. Yes. School threats. Kids. As much as we try to encourage them that it's not a joking matter, and that and we can let's could we talk a little absolutely. bit about how we handle school threats and, and what we want to tell our parents in the areas of social media and monitoring their kids' social media? Thank you, thank you, uh, Ms. Paulson. Um, threats now with social media have become ever more in, uh, increasingly prevalent uh, because a lot of a lot of people hide behind social media and don't think it's real. Um, but they need to understand the adult side of it as well. Um, any kind of threat, whether it's verbal, electronic, on social media, is taken with the utmost uh, importance. Um, 
It, it could be a felony. It could, uh, uh, even if it, someone says it's a joke, we don't take that as a joke because we're never going to try to get into the head of a 12, 13, 14 year old student. We're going to treat everything seriously and we're going to investigate everything. I can let Captain kind of talk about the investigation side if she wanted to. Yes, the majority of the times, you know, once we start the investigation, they'll come up and say, well, mm -hmm. I was only joking or I didn't mean it, mean it. But in today's society, we can't take any joke, um, any threat as a joke, and we have to investigate it. And we contact the DA's office and give them the facts. And like you said, it could be from a misdemeanor to a felony. And unfortunately, we've had students that's never been in trouble, you know, thought it was funny to make a threat that they're going to shoot up the school or bring a weapon to campus. And they ended up, you know, with an arrest um, on their record. So once they go to court, not sure how all of that takes place, but it's, it's not a joke. Tell them, don't be joking around. Don't be putting it on social media, right. you know, because we have to look into every threat. And we want them to report it, not share it. And that's correct. So much of, of those situations that we've dealt with over the in the past have been shared mm -hmm. through yes. social right. media, and it just creates such a disruption for not just the camps administration, but for the community mm -hmm. at large. Absolutely. And when we, when Ms. Paulson instituted to see something, say something, I think it opened up the line of communications between the administration and the students a lot more. Uh, the students are doing a great job of informing administrators that they didn't feel uncomfortable. They saw this on Snapchat. They saw this on Facebook. They weren't, they weren't sure what to do. And they're coming to the administrators and letting them know. I, I would hate for someone who has never been in trouble, thinks they're joking around, gets in trouble, gets expelled from school, can never return to their campus the rest of their high school mm -hmm. career, gets a felony charge because they thought they were joking. I think we had, like we keep saying, have conversations. The conversations around social media, 90% of the issues on campuses are revolve around social media. Uh, there's something that happens, it's arguments get started, uh, you know, threats are made, you know, bullying happens. So that conversation about it but we, uh, needs to happen. And I know it's happening on the campuses, but we'd appreciate it if you could have those conversations with your students as well about the social media. But even if they're joking, you, you can't go back from something you put on social media. You know, it's always there. They, you know, they use Snapchat and they say it disappears. It doesn't disappear. That's, you know, that's the little hook that Snapchat, people are able to get it and people see it, people snapshot it, they send it to somebody else and immediately it becomes a serious concern on campus and in our district level. So please, please kind of have those conversations prior to the beginning of school. I know sometimes the students forget because they've been on summer break so long that, you know, and they're, they're used to a different habit. But once school starts, you know, always monitor and make sure, I always tell my children, you know, if you're putting something on Snapchat or that, make sure you'll be okay with me seeing it. So that's kind of the rule I usually follow, but just have that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. can, I, can I add one more thing? We had um, quite a few incidents last school year where girlfriend, boyfriend, they break up, you know, there's inappropriate pictures. Um, we just want the students to know when you share that picture, if you send it to a buddy and, you know, of course, they're going to send it to others, you can end up with a felony charge also because that's an investigation and uh, the DA's office have been accepting charges on that. So you just have to be careful uh, what you share, just like Mr. Palazzi said, because it can really get you into a situation. Yes. Parents and all of us need to be working together, be mindful, monitor students' activity on social media, yeah, check their phones. Very different than when we were growing up, so yeah. there's a lot of different uh, variables now. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank okay. you. And our next session will be...
at 1.35 on um, getting your student involved. So we'll have a panel discussion on that and all the great things that they should be doing in school. So thank you. Thank you.